Wonder, by definition, simply means this. It means a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, a sense of awe, a sense of awe. And so the Christmas season does that for us. It brings out this sense of wonder, brings out this sense of Oh, I mean, even for adults here this morning, I know uh, you've been listening to Christmas carols since like September, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't, I know some of you have. Like it, it, the Christmas season just brings that out in us. It just brings that sense of nostalgia out of us. And it, it, it takes us back to a place where when we were children, that sense of awe and wonder that we had. And so uh, I'm going to talk about that over the course of this series, specifically in regards to uh, our faith in Jesus. And so to do that this morning, I want you to grab your Bible and turn to the, the gospel of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll begin reading at verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. If you're there, say, I've got it. If you're not there yet, say, hold on, Chris. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. Verse 13 reads this. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Let me read that last part again. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so we see this scene here where Jesus is, crowds are following Jesus, crowds are, are, are flocking to Jesus, wanna, they want to see him at work, they want to see him in the midst of his ministry, and so you can imagine there were probably huge crowds around him, and so Jesus is with his disciples, and while he's in one location, people are, are bringing children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and bless them. And so as they're doing that, his disciples uh, uh, start to uh, guard Jesus and, and, and start to push the children away and say, no, 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 we can't have any of that now. No, 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 Jesus doesn't have time for that now. This is, this is adult business here we've got going on. We, we can't have all these children around here. There's, there's some things that, there's some important things that we have to attend to. There's some adult things that, that we have to uh, see to. But, but as we see in the text, Jesus gets upset at his disciples and says, don't, don't hinder them from coming to me. Don't keep them from coming to me. Let them through. Let them come to me. In fact, what Jesus is saying to them, he's saying, look, I need you to understand this, friends, disciples, adults. Unless you begin to view me in the same perspective of a child, you will never understand or get me. Unless you begin to view me, unless you begin to see me through the eyes of a child, you, you will never fully grasp me and who I am. Unless you come like a little child, 
Unless you come with the perspective of a child, you will never, never grasp the kingdom of God. You will never grasp me. And so ultimately what Jesus is saying here, he, he, he wants us to view God. He wants us to view himself with the same perspective of a child. With the same viewpoint, the same vantage point of a child. Now let me clarify something this morning. What Jesus is telling us, he's telling us to approach God and to be childlike. But he's not telling us to be childish. There's a big difference. Big difference. But to be childlike. And the reason why that's so important to, 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 to distinguish, because when we are childlike, remember, I, the, the series is called Wonder. And, and, and for many of us as children, our, our innocent minds, we had this sense of wonder, this sense of awe. We, we had this sense of imagination. That's why children are so fascinated with, 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 with fantasy and cartoons and superheroes and all these different things. Because in, in their little minds, there is this, this sense and this hope that that could be real. And so there is a sense of wonder. In fact, many of us, if not all of us in here, have been in that season in our lives as, as children where we had that sense of wonder, where we had that sense of awe. Even, even what was said to us about God as children, we believed it. We sang songs about it. Jesus loves me, right? He's got the whole world in his hands, right? Like, like those, are, those are things that children could actually believe. Man, Jesus really does love me. God really is holding the whole world in his hands. Like there's a sense of wonder, there's a sense of awe, there's a sense of, 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 of belief and, and imagination that a child has. And so they are left in awe and in wonder about God. Their perspective of God is childlike. And again, Jesus is reminding us, he says, if you're going to come to me, I need you to come with the same perspective with that of a child. I need you to come with the same awe and wonder that a child would to me. Now, here's the reality of the situation for most of us, if not all of us. See, as a child, you had that sense of imagination and wonder and awe. But then you start to grow up. Now you have children experiencing things that is starting to alter their view of awe and wonder. As children, for many of you, you knew what it was to experience divorce firsthand. Maybe as children, for, for, for some of you, you, you knew what it was to experience abuse. You started to grow up and life started to happen. Responsibilities of life started to, 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 to tumble on you and you started to begin to see the realities of life and begin to see the darkness of life and the darkness of man and begin to see all these different things and to the point where that once that sense of wonder and awe that you had as a child uh, begins to slowly diminish as you get older. Now there's really no more wonder, there's really no more awe, there's really no more uh, a sense of imagination anymore because now I'm dealing with the reality of life now. I ain't got time to be dealing with all that wonder and awe stuff. I got bills to pay. I'm an adult now. The reality is I got responsibilities. 
And so we lose that sense of awe and wonder, even when it comes to the things of God. We've just seen too much. We've experienced too much, but yet Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to get me and understand me, then you need to go back to that childlike perspective about who I am. I'm reminded of a time about eight years ago. My daughter Sophie was about four years old, and uh, we were asked to go pray for this lady who was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember this because uh, Sophie was, was with us, and so we, we go to pray for this lady who got this, this cancer diagnosis, and I began to pray for her. And I began to pray that God would heal her. I began to pray that God would make her well. In faith, I was praying and believing that, and, and my, 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 my four-year-old daughter Sophie had her hands laid on her as well, and she was there with me, and, and she was looking at me, and she was looking at the lady, and, and we prayed, and I, I closed out the prayer, believing in faith that, that she would be made well, and, and so after the close of the prayer, I, I gave the lady a hug, and we said our goodbyes, and we were walking out the room, and I remember my daughter Sophie, she had this look on her face where, where she was kind of confused. And I remember she, she said to me, she looked at me and said to me, she goes, okay, Daddy, well, when's she going to get healed? And what I discovered in that conversation was my daughter was expecting to see the miracle right then and there. Because, see, all my four-year-old daughter knew was we were asking God to heal somebody, and if, if God said he's going to heal somebody, then I'm going to stick around and see it happen. And so I had to explain to my daughter, I'm like, well, look, God can heal her, but, but, but it, it's, it's, in, it's in his time. It may not be at this moment. It may be at a later time. God, and, and it's God's will and, 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 and all that. I began to break all these different uh, uh, scenarios down for my daughter, explaining to her why she didn't see the healing at the moment. But all my daughter knew was, man, we prayed for God to heal her. I'm going to stick around and see God heal her. Why? Because at four years old, she had a sense of wonder. She wasn't jaded by the fact that there's a possibility that you lay hands on the sick person for, they to be made, for them to be made well and they still die. She wasn't jaded by the fact that, that as you get older, you start to get hit with all these other woes of life and responsibilities of life and all these different things that you start to get jaded in your faith in God. She wasn't jaded by any of that. All she knew was you said God was going to heal her. Well, then let's see God heal her. And I think, unfortunately, the reality for many of us is we've, we've drifted away from that sense of wonder and awe when it comes to the things of God. Well, yeah, he could heal her. Oh, yeah, he might heal her. But I've just seen too much. I've seen the realities of life. I've seen the realities of this thing. And so, so that sense of awe and wonder starts to diminish. And my hope for us throughout the course of this series is that we would get our wonder and awe-struck uh, 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 view of God restored. That we would go back to that sense of wonder when it comes to the things of God. 
that we too would be like the four-year-old that believes wholeheartedly and wants to see with their own eyes God heal somebody. I want us to restore the sense of wonder. I want us to restore that wondrous perspective that we once had about God. And so that's my hope over the course of this series. I want us to get our hope and our wonder restored, specifically in how we view God. And so today, in, in our first week of this series, I, I want us to begin to look in the sense of wonder about God and believe in the reality about God is that God is for me. God is for you. So I want you to say this with me and repeat it with me. Say, my God is for me. Say it with me. My God is for me. My God is for me. When somebody is for you, they are cheering for you. They are in your corner. They love you. They want to see what's best for you. That is someone who is for you. But I believe that there may be some of us in here who may be jaded at the fact that you say, well, yeah, I know you said God is for me, but it doesn't really feel like he's for me. So I don't really know, or I don't know if I fully believe that he is for me like you say he is. Well, today I want us to restore that sense of wonder. Today I want us to get back to the reality and the truth that God is for you. And that he is in your corner. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Popular passage of scripture that we know as believers, that many of us know. 29.11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds really good. The fact that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, let me give this some context. God, the, the, the God is speaking to uh, the children of Israel, and in this season, they've been exiled from their homeland. They've been kicked out of their homeland. And so now you have a group of people who, are, who feel like they are abandoned. You have a, a group of people who are in despair, who are broken, who are feeling like there's no hope. And so now God, through the prophet, is speaking to the children of Israel in the midst of their dark season, in the midst of their exile. In the midst of their hopelessness, God is speaking to them saying, hey, you know what? Don't fear, don't be afraid, for I know the plans I have for you. You know what you see around you right now, but, but, but don't despair in that. Just know that I know the plans that I have for you, and they are plans to prosper you. They are plans not to cause harm to you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's a great thing to say to the children of Israel in the midst of their despair. But what about for us? Do these same promises apply to us today? There are some folks that don't believe that. There are some folks that would read that and say, well, that doesn't really apply to me today. That, that just applies to the children of Israel. What, what's that really got to do with me? Well, let me tell you some good news this morning. Because of Jesus, because of the wonderful work that he's done on the cross, those promises 
are for us today. That's a reality. If you're still not convinced, we just took communion. And Jesus takes the cup, symbolic of his blood, and he says, this is the sign of the new covenant. This is the sign of, of, of the new covenant I am making with you. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm securing all the covenant promises of God. All the promises of God that he made for the children of Israel are the same promises that are made and declared over the Gentile, meaning every single person gets to be welcomed into the promises of God because of what I'm about to do. And so you have a God that is for you. You have a God that knows the plans that he has for you. You have a God that doesn't desire to cause you harm. You have a God that desires to prosper you. You have a God that desires to give you a hope and a future. That is a God that is for us. He's for you. The question is, do you believe that? Do you Believe that. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made. Okay, this is talking about Old Testament, New Testament. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. Because of Jesus, those promises now apply to you and me. That's a God that is for us. That's a God who loves us. Romans 8, 31, 32 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I'm just reading this to you because I want to reiterate the promises of God. And I want to declare to you that those promises still apply to us today. And because of that, I don't want us to lose that sense of wonder that God could really be for you. And when you understand God is for you, you live differently. When you really understand that God is for you, 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 you react to life situations a lot differently. Because if God is for me, man, who, who else can be against me? If God is on my side, why does it matter what the world tries to throw at me? If God is for me, if I truly believe that he is for me, why do I still get discouraged and let down? If I truly believe that God is for me, why do I let the trials of life just weigh me down the way that they do? If I, if I truly believe that God is for me, why don't I walk around with joy in my life? I don't know about you, but I believe Christians should be joyful people. Joyful in the good and the bad. Why? Because we know we have a God that is for us.
And so people who know God is for them. They walk differently. They live differently. And what I want to do for the remainder of our time together, I want to give us three things. Three things that should happen to me when I realize that God is for me. Three ways that I should be living my life as one who believes and truly believes that God is for me. Number one, I hope you're taking notes. Write this down. When I realize God is for me, number one, I don't hide from God, but I run to God. Did you catch that? When I realize that God is for me, I don't run from God, I run to God. That means when I sin, that means when I mess up, that means when I I fail, that means when I'm down in the pit, I don't run away from God. I run to him. We see this in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. Adam sins before the Lord. And right after he sins, what happens to Adam? He goes in hiding. And the Bible says that that, that God is is going through the garden and he's he's looking for Adam. He knows where Adam is at, but he's, he's still looking for them. And he's asking, where are you? Where are you? And look at Adam's response. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. He says, and he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. In other words, he was ashamed. And unfortunately for people, when we catch ourselves in the midst of sin, when we catch ourselves in the midst of failure, Instead of running to God, we run from him. But when we realize that he is for us, God should be the first person we run to in the midst of our failure and sin. Why? Because he's the only one that can cover us. He's the only one that can make things right. The harsh reality for, for many people is that we, we, we don't truly believe that he is for us because when we are in the midst of, of sin, when we are in the midst of darkness, when we do have moments of failure, we, we've run away from God. And, 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 a, and a depiction of that is even people who just up and leave the church because, they, they, because when they're in church, I'm not saying the church is God in, in that sense, but what I'm saying is this reminds them too much of God. And so there are people who have up and left the faith because they feel like there's no more hope. Well, I've messed up. I can't go back now. God is upset at me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. And so there are people who are not in church anymore because they feel like they had to run from him. This just reminds them too much of, of, of God. This reminds them too much of who he is. So let me, just, let me just stay away. See, and those are people who don't have the realization that God is for them. So when you realize God is for you, you run to God, you don't run from him. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower, a strong tower. The righteous run to it. The righteous run to it and are safe. See, that's somebody who knows and believes that God is for them. 
Do you believe God is for you? Do you believe that God is in your corner? Another way, another sign that, that, that proves that we, we know that God is for us is not only I don't hide from God, but I run to God. Number two, I need you to write this down. It says I don't live for God's approval, but I live from his approval. Let me explain that. There are many people who are living life right now thinking that what they're doing is earning approval from God. As long as I can live this way, as long as I don't cuss and say bad words, as long as I don't do this, as long as I don't do that, then, then, then God will approve of me. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad way to live. Because, see, now you're living off performance. Now you're living off the fact you're saying, God, I hope you see me in what I'm doing. I hope you see that I'm doing good today. I hope you see that I've done good this month. God, do you approve of me? And there are many people in the world that are living based off that standard. They're living for God's approval. But let me tell you something. We don't have to live for his approval. But we can live from his approval. How do we know that? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates what? His own love for us in this. In that while we were still sinners... Catch this. While you were still in your sin, while you were a liar, while you were a cheater, while you were out living that life, while you were a sinner, what? Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Those aren't people that are living for God's approval. What God is saying to us is that he, 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 he already loves us. He already approves us. He already is for us. If you can just get that, if you can just believe that, if you can just get a sense of wonder in that, your whole life will change. Quit living for God's approval. Some people think that God is up, up in heaven somewhere with this kind of whiteboard, just kind of marking all your bad and good deeds. Quit living for your approval, for God's approval. Why? Because that's so exhausting. It's exhausting trying to live for God's approval. It's exhausting trying to do a performance before God so he'll be happy with me and so that he'll love me. He already loves you. He's already for you. And when you come to that realization, you live from that. I live as somebody approved by God Almighty. I live from somebody who is already for me. I live from somebody who I didn't have to perform to be in their good graces. Because of Jesus, I'm already made right with God. God is for me. And so I don't have to live for his approval. But I live from his approval. And thirdly, when I realize God is for me, the third thing that happens in my life is this. I don't fear what happens to me because I know God is working in me. 
I don't fear what happens to me because I know God is working in me. Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things, on all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Philippians 2, 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, we, we, we don't have to live in the fear of what happens to us. We don't have to live in the fear of what's going on in our lives, but we can live in the, in, the, in the grace and in the hope and the joy that whatever this is that is going on in me, God, I know you're using it for something. Whatever this dark season is that I'm in, in right now, God, I'm trusting you're going to use it for your good somehow, some way. I don't see it yet. I don't quite get it yet, but I am trusting you. And I am trusting that whatever happens to me is doing something in me. Whatever that dark season is in your life, whatever that trial, whatever that struggle is that you're going through right now, Don't despair over it. Don't lose heart over it. But recognize that you have a God that is for you. And he's going to take that thing that is in you that you feel is the worst thing possible. He's going to take whatever that is. And he's going to flip it and use it for his good. And because of that, he is, he is making you better. He's doing something in you. He's shifting something in you. He's changing something in you. He is, he is working something in me. And we don't know what it is. We don't have all the answers for that. You know what? We don't have to have all the answers for that. But we need to trust him. We need to trust him. And we have to trust and believe in the fact that the same God that was for me yesterday is the same God that will be for me tomorrow, right? See, there are those of you in here who God has done some incredible things yesterday, last year, five years, ten years ago. Some incredible things in your life. And there's no denying the goodness of God in your life. But for whatever reason, you're going through some seasonal things right now that that are dark, that are not good, that are, you wish you weren't going through right now. And, and, and for some, it's hard to move through in that trust factor because we just see what's before us. But I want to serve as a reminder to you today that that same God that came through for you yesterday, that same God that healed this person and that person, that same God that provided for you then is the same God that can do the same work, if not even better work, tomorrow for you. Because he's for you. But do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you have a sense of wonder and awe when it comes to God? Does God still blow your mind? Do we trust him? 
I'm reminded of a fact even in my own life, and many of you can attest to this as well. Chris, you can go ahead and come on up. Every morning when I get here at the building, every morning I sit in my office and I'm just kind of reviewing my notes and just going over some things and just praying about what's going to be said today. There's not a week that goes by that I don't start to think about my life before Jesus. And I think about that because I'm thinking, God, like the fact that you even have me here today, like the fact that, that, that in just a few moments, I'm going to get on a platform and I'm going to talk about you. That I get to speak for you. And I'm not perfect. I still have my issues. I still have all my shortcomings. There's still things in me that God is still working on and tweaking on in my life. But the fact that even in the midst of all that, you still allow me to speak for you. It blows my mind every week. The fact that I can go out in public and represent you to the world. blows my mind. And can I tell you something? That's a reality for every single one of us in this room today. Today, you get an opportunity to walk out of this building in your imperfect self and you get to represent a perfect God. Like, I don't know about you, but if if I had somebody that was representing me, like if they said, Chris, you, you need to send somebody to represent you at such and such location. It's a very important event. I can't go, but you can send somebody to represent you. You best believe I'm going to find the right perfect person because I want them to represent me well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that, that, that they're all cleaned up, that they're looking good, that, that they got everything down path, that they're speaking right, that they're doing everything they need to do. Why? Because they're representing me. I need to be make a, made a good impression on at a location that I'm not at. So you're going to represent me at that location. So I need to make sure everything is just right and perfect. But God isn't like that. God can take your messed up self. And he can change your heart. And he can take your imperfection. And say, I'm going to send you to go represent me. You have a past life that isn't so nice, that isn't so good. I can use that. You were a liar, you were a cheat, you were wicked, you were evil, you were lustful, you were all these things. You were that? Okay. I can use that. You were abused, mistreated, abandoned, all that. I can use that. 
See, I was for you before you even knew me. I was for you before you were even checking for me. Chris, I've been for you. I've been for you. He's been for you. But when we realize that, we live differently. When we sin and we mess up, we don't run and hide in shame and guilt. Man, we run back to God and say, God, look, I messed up today. I need your, I need your mercy today. God's like, I got you. In fact, my word says that my mercies are new every single morning. Because I know you don't have the capability in and of yourself to live perfect tomorrow. And to live perfect the day after. My mercy's brand new for you tomorrow morning, Chris. Because I'm for you. I'm for you. And you know what, Chris? You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to earn my approval. I'm not asking you to be on your most best perfect behavior and get all clean. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm already for you. I'm already for you. And trust that whatever you're going through at this moment, that God is working in you. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no wasted season or years of your life. Nothing is wasted before God. God can use everything because he's for you.